0: Post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. We start with a slow clap. Start with that slow clap on the Hoopaw Lakers podcast, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome in, welcome back to the Hoopaw Lakers podcast with the Lakers, yes, those same Los Angeles Lakers who have cars, heartache, heartbreak, indigestion. You're grabbing the tums all season long. It's only been 12 games, but guess what, ladies and gentlemen? two straight victories. The Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James, both in overtime. It is almost a win streak at the end of the day. We are not quite there yet, but the Lakers coming off an absolutely enormous win versus the Miami Heat at Staples Center, 120 to 117 in overtime. In what was, in my opinion, as the guy who was sitting there watching the game live at Staples Center, their best effort of the season. Welcome in, everybody You're here on a solo ride with Ethan Norhoff on the Hoopball Lakers podcast, bringing you up to speed with everything going on in Laker land. And obviously, you know, it has been an interesting first stretch of the season is the word that we'll use. I, normally, I hate when people say the word interesting because it really means a whole lot without saying anything. Right. It's like, oh, this tastes interesting or oh, that was interesting. It doesn't really give us an indication as to what is actually going on. But nonetheless, interesting is the word that we'll use to describe how this Lakers season has gone to date. And if my voice sounds a little deeper, a little raspier today, you already know I was part of the screaming crowd at Staples Center last night, giving it the all. And it was the most electric that I have seen Staples Center. I've been fortunate to go to three games now so far this season, 25% of the Lakers games I have been in attendance for. I cannot remember the last time I said that sentence aloud. Besides when I used to work at NBA media full-time, and hopefully that time will return in the near future. You guys keep listening. We Keep growing this thing, it could become a full time podcast, full time platform. I would appreciate nothing more than to have that dedicated audience. But for now, you know, I'm already rocking with you guys in between all of the rest of the stuff. But let's get right into it, okay? We know LeBron James is going to miss some time. Now, there was a report several days ago, there was a report from LeBron's ex trainer who has no insight who has not diagnosed him, who has not consulted LeBron about this injury, that, oh, well, an oblique strain, it might take four to eight weeks. It was the definition of a hit piece. It was the definition of, oh, let's get clicks. It was the definition of garbageo stuff that we do not need in a landscape that is already flushed and filled with content. We do not need stuff like that. So I'm sorry that I'm not sorry about it, because that was Garbaggio. And it sounds like this will be a shorter-term injury for LeBron James. But before we dive into the game, while we're talking about LeBron, I do want to say one thing. I do agree with something J.J. Reddick. Yes, that same J.J. Reddick, recently retired J.J. Reddick, had to say about LeBron, which is this. It is the first time—this is what J.J. Reddick said. He said, it's the first time that I have seen LeBron James look human, Okay? And I actually agree with that. JC and I have talked about that a little bit in terms of what LeBron has looked like, not only this season, but over the last year and a half or so as he's battled injuries and as he battled age. Now, this is a guy who was previously unstoppable. And at times this year, he has still looked unstoppable. He has still been the best player on the court. He has still been the LeBron James that we all know. But he does look human, ladies and gentlemen. He does look human. This is a guy who normally shoots well and above 50% from the floor, okay? He's under 47% to date. Yes, he's still averaging 25 points per game. Yes, he's still averaging five and a half rebounds. Yes, he's still averaging seven assists. Yes, he's still averaging over two steals a game. This is not to say LeBron is cooked, washed, or anything like that. But he is not the LeBron James from 10 years ago. That's just human nature. So for the first time, we are seeing what this transitional window might look like for the Lakers. And LeBron is still under contract for an extended period of time. But as any good organization does, they're always thinking about the future. That's why with LeBron, they brought in AD. That's why with AD, Russell Westbrook is now here. And don't worry, we'll talk plenty about Russell Westbrook. I know that's everybody's favorite topic in Lakerland these days, okay? But for the first time, LeBron James has looked human. And you know what? The Lakers may actually benefit for it. Let me tell you why. This game versus Miami was the most cohesive effort that I have seen from the Lakers to date. Yes, the team still turned it over 22 times. Yes, they still have to make more free throws. They have to get to the free throw line more. We'll talk about that too. Because the officiating this season league wide, my God, it has been horrendous. Okay, in a game this chippy, this tightly contested, this many lead changes, the Lakers took 16 foul shots. Now, they only made 10, so they have themselves to blame for that. Okay, but only 16 foul shots, including just two for Russell Westbrook. You know how many of the Miami he took 35. 35 foul shots in this game. So a little bit of a discrepancy there. The Lakers almost didn't win this game because the officials almost didn't give them a chance. A league-wide, it has been horrid. And we've heard a litany of players talk about this now, including Damian Lillard most recently. Okay. But why LeBron looking human is actually good for this team, maybe they will stop standing around and waiting for things to happen. We saw that a little bit too much again last night, again in this game versus Miami. But you know what? The team finally came together. And you know why this win was so important besides the fact that the Lakers need to win games? Like any team. When you get a combined 42 points from Malik Monk and Avery Bradley, that is not a game that you can lose. The bench, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Carmelo Anthony. 51 points from the bench. You can't lose a game like that. I don't care how shorthanded you are. And now we learn that, okay, Rajon Rondo is day-to-day with a hamstring strain coming off of what was arguably his best game of the season in terms of total impact. Austin Reeves, I refuse to call him Hillbilly Kobe. What a stupid nickname. Sorry. I know people love it. I think it is impressively dumb. Okay. Austin Reeves is going to miss a couple of weeks at least now with his hamstring strain. So in addition to Taylor Horton Tucker, who is finally cleared for contact practice, in addition to Kendrick Nunn, whose timeline feels nebulous at best, in addition to Tre- Trevor Ariza, who we're probably not going to see until 2022, in addition to LeBron James, who is day-to-day like the rest of us, but out for the foreseeable future. This was a very important moment for this Lakers team to come together and really embrace that next man up mentality, like Anthony Davis said post-game. Okay? The Staples Center was on fire last night, guys. It was amazing. It was an electric atmosphere. And one thing that I will say is from the onset, now this game started ugly. I mean ugly. It was two to one for the first four and a half minutes of this game. It was an ugly start. But from the tip, the Lakers were locked in. They gave a consistent effort and they did not allow things. That did not exactly go their way to knock them off course. 18 three-pointers made in this game for the Lakers. That's why they won the game. 18 of 38 from distance. 47.4%. The Heat only made 10 threes. Okay? That's a 24-point discrepancy right behind the three-point line. And Lakers won the game by three points. So despite the fact that the Lakers were outscored by 17 at the free throw line, they outscored the Heat by 24 points from distance. And that's what made up the difference. It's amazing what good shooting will do. Now, we still got to talk about the, What what is a good lineup for this team. Because the two big men combined, DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, in their 22 minutes had a whopping one point. And it's not to say that they're totally useless out there. And to be honest with you, Dwight Howard got called on some ticky-tack bullshit fouls to foul him out of the game early in this one. He should not have fouled out like that. But the story of this game okay? The story of this game in terms of what the Lakers brought to the table. The story of this game is very simple. The story of this game is Malik Monk. The story of this game is Malik Monk, ladies and gentlemen. I know we've been sitting here talking about Carmelo Anthony and how great he's been, and really he has been. In fact, this was his first game at home in which he wasn't superhuman. 12.6 rebounds on 12 shot attempts. He only hit 1-3. Came into this game shooting an absurd, beyond 64% from distance when the Lakers played at Staples Center. I mean, unsustainable numbers in the best way possible, but just an absurd, absurd mark for Carmelo, okay? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But Malik Monk was on fire in this game. 35 minutes, 27 points, 4 threes, 10 of 13 from the field. He couldn't miss. Even shots that had no business going in went in. I mean, he was that good. And I'm sitting there with the game and, you know, I'm fortunate I've talked about it on this podcast and I talk about it to anyone who will listen to me. I go to the game with my next door neighbor who has seen 60 years of Lakers basketball. That's how long he's had these season seats. And we talk about, you know, all the different greats that have walked through sort of the doors to the Lakers locker room and now who call Staples Center home. And, you know, Malik Monk is is not one of those players. Don't don't get me wrong, okay? Malik Monk is not an all-time great. But... Malik Monk had no business being a minimum level player. He is just too good for that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is what is the ideal starting lineup for this team? Now, the guys that closed it last night, the guys that closed this game, Melo, Monk, I'd like to see them out on the court more often. In fact, I think it not only benefits both of them in terms of, you know, what they put out onto the court, what they put onto the floor, but I think it just benefits the Lakers cohesively overall. Okay. But even but even more than that for me, it's very simple. This Lakers team is finding itself. And this is why this win was so important. Because it gave the Lakers a confidence. Because that game versus Portland recently, that embarrassment of a loss, 105 to 90, doesn't even give it justice. I mean, it was pathetic. The Lakers had two full days, two full days to recover from yet another just decrepit loss against the Thunder. Just horrific. Another absolute meltdown. Two games in which the Lakers should have won. Lakers win those two games. Instead of seven and five, they're nine and three. That's the difference. That's the difference. And if the Lakers are nine and three, nobody's talking about half of the stuff that anyone's talking about. That's the difference, okay? So narrative is one of these things we really have to be conscious about. The Lakers, for the third time in three years, have a brand new team, a whole-ass new team. And by the way, about half of it is injured. So yeah, there's going to be moments where there's going to be growth, okay? But in terms of the ideal starting lineup, if LeBron is healthy, and everybody's healthy, Ariza, THT, Nunn, Reeves, Rondo, everybody's available, right? Right? The ideal starting lineup does not include DeAndre Jordan, it does not include Dwight Howard, and it does not include Kent Bazemore. I like Kent Bazemore. And I like him for more than the fact that he can wave a towel with the best of them. And I only make that joke because A, he's known for it, but B, more importantly, and it's pertinent to the Lakers here, okay? At one point last night during the game, and it was so fun to watch, the Lakers bench was really having a good time. It was an offensive foul called against Bam Adebayo and Kent Bazemore was out there pointing the other way and LeBron's pointing the other way and everybody sort of just enjoying it together. It reminded me of watching the Lakers in the bubble when they won the title in terms of the cohesiveness of the team. Even Sekou Demboya, who's been on the team for like a week, basically, in terms of actually being with the team and not just with the G League team, was getting in on the action. Everybody likes each other. It's a huge part of it. And it will help with that on-court chemistry. Sitting around last night watching this game unfold and, you know, sections going crazy. I had a fan of the game finalists by me and, you know, we're all talking shopping. You know, guys sitting there going, hi, ah, Anthony Davis is soft. Anthony Davis needs to take over this game. Anthony Davis not a number one. I'm sorry, Anthony Davis, 24 points, 13 rebounds. It's not good enough, 45 minutes. By the way, he's been sick. He threw up two games in a row, came back, carried the Lakers in the last win, came back, had 24 and 13 in this one getting all the attention because they're going to give Russell Westbrook every open shot that he wants to take right now and LeBron James is on the floor. Sorry, it's not good enough for you. Sorry, 24 and 13 isn't good enough for you. Anthony Davis has been remarkable for the Lakers this year. Anthony Davis is literally averaging 24 and 11. At what point do you say, man, Anthony Davis having a pretty good year. Shooting 50% from the field. Free throw line getting himself back on track almost 75% from the line again. Better than two blocks a game, better than a steal a game. The three-point shot has been MIA, I agree. But outside of that, Andy Davis having a pretty damn good season, especially he's because he's playing through things. The only time he had to come out of a game is when he was so sick that he literally couldn't stand up. Sprained a thumb, got it bent backwards, taped it up, right back out there. Hits the deck every play, no problem. Not, not rolling around on the floor, gets right back up. It's very easy to criticize from seats. Ah, he's not hustling. Ah, he's 6'11". AD is 6'11", about 260, 270 pounds. I'd like to see you move that right up and down the floor like you're 5'8 and 140. All right, it's a different way of moving. So this was very easy to criticize. I've had no problems with AD so far this year. Russell Westbrook last night. Now, Russ going to mess around and get a triple-double. In fact, he got, almost got another quadruple-double. 25 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, eight big turnovers for Russell Westbrook once again. But Russell's starting to find himself. And there were moments, there were moments where you said, oh my God, what are you doing? And then there were moments where you said, oh my God, you can do that? He's finding himself. He's learning how to play within this flow. It's been a long time since Russell Westbrook was A, on a team that had any level of expectations, but B, that wasn't totally and utterly built around him and him only. So it's going to take time. This isn't a video game where you just plop new players in place. You say, oh, okay, great. We're good to go now. This is real life. It's different. Can you guys believe Avery Bradley was just available at the end of the preseason? Warriors said, nah, we're good. We're straight without him. And it happens, right? I mean, look, it happens. Okay? But this is a guy who was very successful for the Lakers in terms of what he brought to the table initially when he was with the team. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to join them in the bubble, so he kind of lost that. But, you know, just because he's out of sight doesn't mean he's out of mind. Avery Bradley, where would the Lakers be without Avery Bradley? This has been the theme of the year so far a team that has this big three. Where would the Lakers be without Avery Bradley? Where would the Lakers be without Carmelo Anthony? And last night, where would the Lakers be without Malik Monk? This was the point. This was the point. This was exactly the point when the Lakers built this roster. When LeBron is out with an injury, or AD's having a bad night, or he's injured, or Russell Westbrook can't find a shot, that the Lakers had additional offensive options in which the team could actually run through. They're starting to call Malik Monk microwave like it's Vinny Johnson. I love it. They absolutely love it. And now I would not be against a starting lineup with everybody healthy, everybody available, I would not be against a starting lineup. That is Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. And to me, that's a lineup that could really space the floor, that could bring something to the table defensively, and that's when the Lakers are in their best, okay? That's when the Lakers were really at their best, when they could space the floor. And historically, those are the teams that LeBron has performed best with, right? Space the floor, pick and roll, see you much later. One thing I will be critical about the Lakers right now, they're still not operating within the flow of an offense. It's still way too ISO heavy, but that's what happens when you can't practice as a team. They've got no practice time and, and, and they've got a lot of scores, a lot of guys who can get their own. So that's going to be sort of the natural default. It's a strange game, strange game last night until, you know, about, about the second half. Really strange first quarter, very slow until it finally picked up. But then that fourth quarter in overtime, I mean, I don't remember watching a more exciting game at Staples Center in a long time. Now, like the Lakers, the Heat were a little banged up in this one. Jimmy Butler played all of 12 minutes before exiting with a sprained ankle. It was sort of weird. There wasn't a lot of fanfare made out of it. He just kind of came out of the game and disappeared took me a little bit actually i said hey jimmy butler's not on the bench he hasn't checked back into the game what's going on wasn't even on twitter yet finally at halftime the heat gave the update they said oh you know what jimmy butler's sprained ankle will not return he's gonna miss at least a couple of games so you know it's not just one of those things where he rolled his ankle will be all right jimmy butler is a tough ass dude as we all know so he must have turned it pretty good Bam Bio was in foul trouble, actually wound up fouling out of this game, but not before 28-10 with six steals. Of course, it helps when you get to the free throw line 11 times, but he still got to make 10 of them. The reason the Lakers won this game because Tyler Hero was excellent, too. Tyler Hero was killing us at one point. And he started to tra- talk trash with the Lakers' assistant coaches, in particular Phil Handy. Man, child, please, sit down. P.J. Tucker trying to sit, sit there and talk trash with LeBron James. Man, sit down. All right? Y'all, y'all just got to sit down. Please. Pleased with that stuff. But Duncan Robinson, 4 of 16 from Miami. 3 of 13 from distance. Kyle Lowry, 5 of 14. 2 of 10 from distance. Between the two of them, they were 5 of 23 from behind the three-point line. That's why Lakers won this game. 5 of 23 from Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson. That almost never happens. Almost never. And the heat bench, guys, outside of Tyler Hero, wow. The heat bench is terrible. Tyler Hero can be sixth man of the year. He's going to be in the running, no doubt. But the Heat bench after that is absolutely terrible. And I know Mark Morris was out of this game. And that's why you saw the dose of Udonis Haslam on the floor. But holy, holy crap, guys. The Heat second unit is terrible. Gabe Vincent was playing minutes in overtime. Let me put it like that. Okay? Exactly. Caleb Martin is a rotation player for this team. Who? Exactly would love pj tucker on the lakers but again that's a conversation for a different day but overall this Lakers team had moments where they could have shrunk in fact at one point in the fourth quarter they were down they were down like seven to nine points and they mounted a comeback and they, they made it happen and everybody was engaged defensively was it the best defensive game i've ever seen from a team absolutely not but everybody was engaged people were talking to one another and that's what you love to see from this club you love to see them have the confidence to, A, not only tr- call each other out, but B, to actually come together as a unit and to play together. That's what we have been looking for for so long from this team, basically since the year began, right? And now you encounter a scenario where Lakers finally have a little bit of momentum behind them. They finally have a little bit of something where they can say, okay, but we get a little, little bit of a role here. And it's so, so important that that happens, Okay. It is so important that that happens because the Lakers are going to have a little bit of a tough ride here. They've had a lot of games at home to start the year. And the next three games, they're at home. Next three are all at home Minnesota, San Antonio, and Chicago. Three varying levels of opponent, but then they hit the road. And it's not an easy swing at Milwaukee, at Boston, Detroit, New York, Indiana. It's not an easy swing. And it includes a back to back in New York and Indiana. That's especially tough. Lakers are going to have a tougher schedule the rest of the way. That's why it's so important that they win these games now. And there's a lot of parity in the league this year. There aren't a lot of really, truly bad teams, unless we're talking about AD's Formula One, the New Orleans Pelicans, where David Griffin is very much on the hot seat because Zion Williamson weighs 300, maybe more pounds. There's, they've got one win all year long. They look absolutely terrible. I have no idea how they've gone about constructing their roster. It makes no sense. And they're awful. They are awful. Lakers got to win these games. This was a great step in the right direction for the Lakers. I mean, this was was what you want to see. This is why people were so excited watching this team, both in person and I'm sure on TV as well. Of course, with everything surrounding the Lakers, and especially given, you know, what we'll say is, especially given how good the Bulls have been so far this year, because the Bulls are one of those teams that got a lot of former Lakers, right? So more importantly, Alex Caruso. And I only say more importantly because it's more important to their narrative, right? So we heard this week that, you know, obviously Alex Caruso went on a podcast and, you know, what, what happened with the Lakers, basically, was the question, right? That's what everybody wants to know. Now, let me preface this by saying this. I think the legend of Alex Caruso is a fun story. And all things being equal, of course, I would have loved to see him return to Lakers. But this idea that the Lakers completely blew it, that there's some sort of catastrophic loss by letting Alex Caruso walk, that these anonymous executive GMs are like, I don't know what the Lakers are thinking, they lost Alex Caruso. Like, give me a break. Alex Caruso is a fine player. He's a very legitimate NBA player and a great backup point guard. Like, if you have Alex Caruso as your backup point guard, you're pretty happy, okay? But this idea that they just totally shit the bed by not bringing back Alex Caruso, is, it's laughable, guys. It's laughable. It's laughable. So basically, Alex Caruso said, look, he's going into free agency, and he didn't really hear much from anyone, right? And then the Lakers, you know, they talked to Lakers, and their offer was kind of like a non-offer, basically. And Caruso was honest. He's like, look, you know, I was basically told by every team in the league that I wasn't good enough, right? He had to be in the G League. Then he got his chance with the Lakers. Then they gave him a little bit of money. And this was his opportunity to cash out. This is life-changing money. Alex, go get yours. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you that you almost netted $40 million to sign with the Chicago Bulls to play with a team that matches your skill set well and is fun to watch and all of these things. That's great, right? Right? So Caruso took the offer from the Bulls. He went back to the Lakers and said, hey, can you do the same thing? And they said no, and the Lakers, and then he said, well, can you do a little less? And they said, no. And he said, all right, I'm gonna go to Chicago then, right? Lakers probably offered him, the exact numbers haven't come out, right? Lakers probably offered him somewhere around two, anywhere from 10 to $15 million, which represented a pay raise, right? But at the end of the day, it wasn't what he was looking for. 2 years and 15 million or 4 years and 37 million. It's not a hard it's not a hard choice to make, especially when it's all guaranteed. And in a different construct where the Lakers don't acquire Russell Westbrook, obviously, then yeah, it makes sense. But really, this this was the deal. Okay? Ramona Shelburne said Caruso would have signed a 3-year, $30 million to stay with the Lakers. That's not a discount. That's more money than he's getting with the Bulls. It's fewer years, less total money, but in terms of annual average value, it's actually slightly more, okay? If the Lakers had brought back Alex Caruso at the same number that the Bulls paid him, it would have cost the Lakers over $30 million in taxes. They could have done the taxpayer mid-level, but they gave it to Kendrick Nunn instead. So you make choices. The ceiling of this Lakers team is not gonna be dictated by Alex Crusoe, much like the ceiling of the Bulls team is not gonna be dictated by Alex Crusoe. But it's fun to talk about because the bald eagle, the backup uh, the backup PE coach, the substitute science teacher, whatever nickname you wanna give him, he just continues defying the odds. And we love that, we love a good story, right? Especially when it runs counter to the narrative that we've seen so many times. But this idea that the Lakers royally screwed the pooch by not bringing back Alex Crusoe, I mean, child, please kiss the baby in my best Chad Ochocinco voice. Give me a break. It's ridiculous. I just had to get that out. I had to weigh in on that topic. It was so important to me. And it's just, it's, it's just this conversation, this inner monologue that continues on in my head. is ridiculous. All right? But long story short, Alex Crusoe expect- came up on top. The Lakers are going to be all right. Both of those things can happen. They're not mutually exclusive. And as the Lakers move forward, they're going to continue learning their new parts. They're going to continue figuring it out. And some games are going to be some growing pains and some games are going to look a lot better. And as the season progresses, you hope that that all comes together for more cohesion and more overall satisfaction from the team in terms of what they look like as a team. And I think they'll get there. I'm not calling them a predominant title favorite. I've sat here and said this on the show. There's nothing so inherently good about the Lakers that they should be considered an outright favorite. There's nothing so good about any team that they should be considered outright favorite. Look, the first, step, first place teams in the Eastern Conference are Washington, Chicago, Brooklyn. I mean, two of those three things are not like the other, right? And in the West, you got a Warriors team that's still playing without Klay Thompson. You got a Clippers team that nobody expected to do anything without Kawhi. You got the Mavericks, who everybody's saying it would be the worst team in the NBA without Luka Doncic, all in the playoff picture. So everybody, Hoo-sa! take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. Lakers are figuring it out. That's what the early season is for. My only ask of the Lakers, and this was what I loved about last night. Do not play like an entitled team. Do not play like you can just flip the switch. Do not play like you have earned anything because you have not. And that's what I loved about watching the Lakers in person last night. They played hard. In the words of Rasheed Wallace, both teams played hard. And you love to watch a basketball game like that. There's nothing more entertaining. So as the Lakers move forward, we'll be back. J.C. will be back. I'll be back. We'll be back together. We'll continue to discuss the trajectory of this Lakers team overall. All the twists and turns was going to happen as the Lakers take this ride through Tinseltown and try to figure it out together. But this was a major step in the right direction. Two overtime wins. Gotta beat Minnesota at home. Gotta make it a winning streak. Minnesota's not a good team. Anthony Edwards, that is your team now, sir. D'Angelo Russell, you know he's going to want to put on a show, come back to Staples Center, Crown Think Towns. He's pretty good, too. But Lakers got to win this game, LeBron or not. Moving forward, the Lakers just have to show up. They cannot take nights off. That's the most important part. All right? As always, guys, I appreciate you. It's funny how fast half an hour goes by when we're all jacked up about a topic, but that's how it goes in Lakers land these days, okay? You can follow me on Twitter, at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F, only one F. Follow the show, at Hoopball Lakers, and the whole Hoopball family, at Hoopball Tweets, at Hoopball Fantasy. And until next time, me and my raspy voice and our best Stephen A., we out.